in, everybody, and welcome back into The Porch. It is a VolQuest baseball podcast with Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman. He always joins us for the second half of the show, so really, really looking forward to that. And could not make this podcast possible, which you're watching us on YouTube and listening to us wherever you get your podcasts, without our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Three partners, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. If you got a problem, let them find a solution for you, TN Trial Lawyers, specializing in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. You can always go see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee, or give them a ring, 423-245-4185, for a free consultation. And always visit their website, Spivey King and Spivey LLP.com. Big, big uh, friends of the show and could not thank them enough for uh, everything that they do to make this possible. All right, this is The Porch, and uh, we got a lot to discuss here today on the show. Really, uh, really looking forward to kind of getting into it. And uh, Tennessee responded in such a great way last week. Wrote about it on the 321. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about it on a little bit of some of those podcasts that we do throughout the week the VolQuest podcast and the Mailbag podcast. A little bit on the Craven Wings extra innings, but Tennessee, I didn't call it a must-win series last weekend, but I did refer to it as this is as close as it gets, right? Um, because of what's coming ahead and seeing LSU on the horizon. We're going to talk a lot about LSU here on this podcast today, the top-ranked Tigers uh, down in the bayou. But Tennessee came back and handled business. Was it perfect? No. In fact, Tennessee was in an early deficit in every single one of those games, <laughs> right? Um but Tennessee fought back. Starting pitching was a little bit better. Um, hitting. The bats came alive. It felt like spring, kind of getting into summer weather at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So, you know, that was huge. And um, I, I give credits where credit is due because, you know, when everything was as bad as it was leaving Missouri, I wrote about it. Also, I mean, I call it like I see it. And Tennessee responded after getting punched in the mouth. And, and they did their jobs coming back, not only winning the series, but sweeping the series, winning in walk-off fashion on Saturday. And I feel like that can go a long way because now this team, this group of guys has been there, done that. They've faced adversity. They've battled back. They won in the last at-bat. And uh, again, I feel like that can just do a whole lot for this team. Um, Kovar's tears was injured on Friday. He had a line drive right back to the pitcher and was trying to beat out an infield single. He did, but he kind of looked like he kind of tweaked that hamstring a little bit and he was not seen. He's not been seen since. And it's a shame too, because man, he was, he was coming alive, right? He's got tons of extra base hits hitting over 400. Doesn't technically qualify in terms of the overall stats right now, because, um, last I saw, I believe he was still just at, I want to say 20 maybe 25 ABs, something like that. Actually, I've got it right here. If you can just hang on and be patient with me. Kavar's tears, 25 ABs. Yeah, but he's hitting 440, right? Um, he has been rehabbing like crazy. It's extremely day-to-day -day because, again, the severity of, uh, of what it is, it's the hamstring. I say severity, just meaning like it, it's an important part of your body for an athlete, of course. Um, it was not that bad uh it, it was certainly not that bad and a lot of this has been for, for precaution but he's been living in that training room trying to get it ready um it's very day-to-day -day, but it would not shock me whatsoever if you saw Kavar Sears back out there for Tennessee at LSU I don't know if it's Friday don't know if it's Saturday don't don't know if it's Sunday might not happen at all but if he does come back wouldn't shock me because he's making a lot of progress he feels good he's out there moving around and so I think that that was not that big of a deal which is really really good um, Christian Moore, he did not uh, play in Tuesday's game against UNC Asheville, a 5 to nothing victory. 
uh, for Tennessee. Another shutout. I believe that is the seventh shutout of the season uh, for Tennessee. Maybe the eighth. I can't remember. I was keeping track last week uh, whenever Tennessee did that to um, to its midweek opponent. But nonetheless, uh, Christian Moore wasn't in the lineup. Uh, just precaution again. He's He's been dealing with a little bit of a... Uh, a sore shoulder, but obviously, if you look at his stats, you can't tell. He's leading Tennessee with a 360 batting average, five homers, 19 ribbies, 613 slugging, 524 on base. He's been really, really critical uh, for Tennessee with the bat in his hands, and he's improved defensively. Uh, he's going to be back. He'll be playing this weekend, from what I've been told. So, again, Tuesday, just to give him a little bit of extra rest on a short week, and, and that was kind of kind of by design. So I do think that the starting pitching will stay the course. I do think it'll be Chase Dolander on Thursday. I think it's going to be Chase Burns on Friday and then Drew Beam on Saturday. The SEC schedule, it's not that bad, but it does kind of get funky. And Tennessee's got a couple other Thursday-Saturday series. Uh, The rest of SEC plays, we go on through the series. But you can go Thursday-Saturday, then you can go Friday-Sunday where you gain a a day, and then you go back and lose a day Thursday-Saturday. So at some point this season, I do think that you'll see some spot starts uh, from Candon Sewell or Seth Halverson. Um, Lindsey, Andrew Lindsey's a guy that's capable of doing that as well. But Tennessee's got um, options, much like having four starting pitchers last year. And kind of towards the end, you mixed and match and kind of felt like trying to give these guys as much rest as they, they possibly could. Um, I think you might see a little bit of that as the season goes on. But for right now, the expectation uh, for this weekend is Chase Dolander on Thursday, uh, Chase Burns on sa- uh, Friday, and then Drew Beam on Saturday. And I do think those guys improved last weekend. I wrote about this, and again, if not for some sign miscommunications with the brand-new catcher behind the plate, Jared Dickey, um, I do think maybe – and one of those runs, he gave up – Chase Dolander gave up two runs in the first. One of those runs is because of a balk. Um, and, and so – I think that kind of contributed to that first inning struggles for Chase Dolan. Or he got in a groove and he looked much, much better. And that was great just to kind of have that bounce back mentality from one of the best pitchers in the country. And, you know, he needs some confidence heading into LSU. Of course, he spoke to us on Tuesday night and said, hey, we just got to stay within ourselves, play our game, acknowledge the environment, um, let it fuel us a little bit and go out there and, and, and perform against a really talented lineup. That being LSU, more on that here in a moment. Chase Burns really got into a groove. In fact, he retired 12 in a row before giving up some uh, some hits with two outs in the sixth inning, and his pitch count was so good at that point in time, Tennessee didn't have anybody going in the bullpen. And so by the time he gave up a hit with two outs and then maybe another one and then and kind of started getting tagged a little bit, by the time they got somebody up and running and, 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 and ready to roll, I mean, it, it kind of got away from him. And unfortunately, he was not in line. He picked up the no decision. He was not in line for the win at the end of that game. Tennessee went on to walk it off uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning, but I thought Chase Burns played or pitched really, really well. The wheels fell off, recognized that uh, towards the end, but he was in some type of groove for sure. He's got to, I've said this plenty of times this week. He's got to, Chase Dolander as well, got to continue or got to quit throwing fastballs right down the pipe ahead in the count against good pitchers. Twice at Missouri, now against Texas A&M. Chase Burns has given up a home run in the first inning because he's been considerably ahead in the count, and they throw it right down the pipe. I know the pitch is called, and um, I understand you know Tennessee, for the most part, has the ability to shake off the pitchers do, but I know that Frank Anderson calls the game and everything, so I don't, I don't really have all those answers, but you know why not go to your secondary stuff? Why not throw a fastball out of the zone, let him, let him go chase a little bit? I mean, that that's a little bit of a trend that needs to quit, in, in my opinion. And then on Sunday, Drew Beam... He gave up a Lindsey Nelson home run 
in the first inning. It actually went to review, and they said it was a home run. So the first inning struggles this weekend outside of the home run from Chase Burns. I'm really not worried about it that much. But And I know there's been some comments made about, you know, why is this ERA so much more than it was last year? Why is Tennessee's pitching uh, not as good as what it was last year? Well, you know, I went to the NCAA.com, pulled up the stats, national stats, and guys, Tennessee's still third in the nation in Team ERA, 2.62 ERA. Virginia has a 2.51 ERA, they're number two, and Wake Forest in 26 games, just like with Tennessee, they have a 2.12 ERA, and look back at that fall scrimmage when Tennessee beat them 19-7 or whatever in a combined 18 innings. You know, Wake Forest, that was a good challenge back in the fall. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, Tennessee's team ERA is not bad. It's leading the SEC. And granted, you're just two weeks, two weekends into SEC play. I recognize that. There's a long way to go. But the ERA is not that bad. It just feels like it might be a little bit bad because of the first inning struggles. And then because you're not scoring a ton more runs like you were at this point in time last year with that lineup. So uh, pitching, again, it's been solid right now. They do need, and, and Luke will hit on this later in the pod, they do need to tighten some things up right now. It's not it's not all roses for Dolander and for um, Chase Burns and for Drew Beam right now. I mean, I'm not trying to act like everything's perfect, but in the grand scheme of things, it's still leading the SEC right now, and it's still third in the nation. So it was better last weekend. They will absolutely be tested full send this weekend, right? Down in the bayou starting Thursday uh, against some of these guys like Drew uh, Dylan Cruz and, and – um, Tommy Tanks, Trey Morgan, some of these other guys, and of course, Paul Skeens on the mound. A lot of these guys, Tennessee was very much active with and involved with and trying to get them through the transfer portal. But uh, looking forward to seeing how the starting pitching can respond and bounce back uh, this weekend for sure. Looking forward to seeing Simo back in that lineup. Hopefully, we'll see Kavaris Tears back in that lineup. And then I guess the last thing I want to mention here before we get to Luke, uh, so many people are wondering about the catcher position, uh, the catcher position, all that type of stuff. And, and, and with good... With good question marks, right? Um, you got Charlie Taylor, who is by and large the best defensive option behind the plate, manages, controls the staff so well. They like him a lot, and he will continue to play. Don't don't hear me wrong here. He will continue to play, uh, but with what he gives you offensively you, over the course of time, it's not it's not that great. And because again, you have Cal Stark, who is um, another right-handed option, and when Tennessee plays left-handed pitchers. You know, they're going to see Cal Stark in that lineup uh, because it's a right-handed bat. Um, on Sunday, I was kind of wondering at the beginning of the game, why, if you're facing a lefty, you got Cal Stark in there and Jared Dickey in there in the same starting lineup, why not flip those two? Why not have Cal Stark, who is a, is, is a better defensive option at catcher? I'm not going to say much because it's, that's not true. He has his shortcomings too, but he's a better defensive option at catcher than Jared Dickey right now. Why not have him catch and then Dickey go to DH if you want them both in the lineup? It's because if they want the ability to pinch hit and to go get Stark, they can when that southpaw is lifted from the game. Um, if Dickey was at DH, he can't go in the field anywhere. So, again, it just kind of gives you more lineup flexibility. Plus, they continue to still want to get Dickey some reps behind the plate. You're never going to improve unless you continue to get more reps and more reps and more reps. And I continue to say this, and I'm not trying to be an ap uh, uh, apologist here, but, guys, Dickey is not caught since fall, okay? And – he caught in three games last year, I believe, and he was moving behind the plate to try to be the starting catcher uh, in the fall, and then he broke his hand from uh, from Andrew Lindsay, right? And he he mentioned that uh, you know last weekend he said you know catching Lindsay was actually the when he when he broke his when he broke his hand or his thumb or whatever back in the fall, but outside of catching some bullpens, 
and, and just you know putting on the putting on the gear a couple times a week just to catch some bullpens. He has not practice and scrimmage or practice settings behind the plate. So you got to give him some time here. Um, and Tennessee's not doing this if they aren't trying to put all those puzzle pieces together and trying to make it work. You want tears in the outfield. You want Christian Scott, who's done a really, really nice job here in the last week and, and ran into another home run on Tuesday night. You want him in center field managing everything, okay? And Lindsey Nelson, you like Griffin Merritt playing the corner outfield. Um, still an opportunity for Dylan Dryland to be your top-tier bat off the bench and pinch hit opportunities. I made a note of this in the game thread the other night. And guys, I'm sorry I don't have it in front of me, but Dylan Dryland as a pinch hitter this year has been incredible. He's been phenomenal, and you love having that pop off the bench. But um, And Hunter Inslee is going to continue to play because he is, he's been giving Tennessee some good defense in the outfield, and he's been hitting at the plate. He's been hitting for sure. Let's look up his stats real quick. Hunter Inslee sitting 300. 40 ABs, he's got 12 hits, has a homer, six RBIs. He's, let's see, he's scored nine runs. Yeah, I mean, that's solid. You're going to continue to play if you're doing that and giving you something defensively. So at full strength, you can still see Scott and Inslee maybe platoon out there, but right now you're going to see a whole lot of Christian Scott. You're going to see a whole lot of Hunter Inslee. You hope to see Kavar's tears back there. I can see a lot of Griffin Merritt as the DH um when they're at full strength back there but you know he he flashed the leather a little bit at Lindsey nelson this past weekend so that was good to see on sunday um tennessee's still a work in progress no doubt about it how good was it to see blake burke uh kind of come out of his slump a little bit he hit a mammoth shot the other night i guess it was on sunday um that home run whoo it was phenomenal or no it was tuesday and and he had another one uh, on sunday uh yeah so he's he's homered a couple of times you know, I think he's actually homered three times in the past week because I think he homered once last week and I wrote uh, coming out of your slump a little bit and then he homered on Sunday and then he had another hit and then he homered on Tuesday. Uh, he had his 10th home run on Tuesday. So it's good to see Blake Burke come back uh, up that average to 337, which is really, really good. 10 home runs, 28 ribbies. Um, you got to have him swing the bat really, really well. Got to have him hitting well in the three hole. So um, Tennessee's still a work in progress. There's no doubt about it. Tennessee is still trying to figure it out and all that good stuff. And um, measuring six series coming up, you've got LSU, top-ranked LSU. You've got Dylan Cruz, who is just hitting out of his mind right now. In 26 games, Dylan Cruz is hitting 542. Yeah, 542. He's got 10 doubles, nine home runs. He's driven in 32. He's scored 48 runs and 83 at-bats. Dylan Cruz is arguably the best player in the country right now. Tommy White, Tommy Tanks from NC State, third baseman, hitting 390. He's got 42 runs driven in. That's leading the team. Um, he's homered eight times. He's scored 27 runs. And back to Dylan Cruz for a minute. Dylan Cruz has walked 27 times in 25 games. He's virtually, right now, he's hitting at a 54% clip of his plate appearances. He's, he's hard to get out. You've got Trey Morgan, who's been a good player for LSU and all-conference guy. He's hitting over 300. Uh, it's not the fastest team in the world. Um, you've got Jordan Thompson, who's four of six of stolen base attempts. Really, he's the only one on the team that's attempted more than two stolen bags. But if Jared Dickey's behind the plate, I would continue to see teams try to test that a little bit. And then you got Paul Skeens coming over from Air Force, focusing just on pitching this year. He's given up three runs in 37 innings and a third. An 0.72 ERA right now in six starts. 
uh, opponents hitting 112 against them. So Tennessee has got its work cut out for them. They know that. It's an exciting opportunity, a measuring stick game on the road in a hostile environment. You're going to get the best of the best. And uh, I really, really can't wait to see what Tennessee does there. So uh, we got Luke Lipsius coming on here in just a couple of minutes. I'm going to get some of these reads in here and uh, really looking forward to what he has to say about Tennessee's response and what's to come against LSU. All right, guys, could not make this porch possible without our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Like I said, three partners, uh, Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, Richard A. Spivey, good guys, good Vol fans as well. Love them some Tennessee baseball. Their mission statement get a problem, let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers, they specialize in criminal defense, family law, and personal injury. Some examples of that can be a DUI, homicide assault, sexual offenses in state or federal courts, divorce, custody, alimony, or parental rights, personal injuries as well, like car wrecks or accidents. With over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience with the practice being in place for 43 years and this partnership formed in 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal battles and demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri-Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has multiple awards and attorneys who were rated by super lawyers in the Mid-South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, they are there to help. Go see them in person, 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. That's 142 Cherokee Street in Kingsport, Tennessee. Give them a call for a free consultation, 423-245-4185, 423-245-4185 for a free consultation, or visit our friends, Spivey King and Spivey LLP at spiveykingandspiveyllp.com. Talking baseball here today, of course, but the Final Four, it's going on. It's unfortunate Tennessee's still not playing, but uh, nonetheless, basketball's still in play. The madness is going on. And if you haven't already, time to shoot your shot and score big with nonstop action over at MyBookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on the eventual national championship winner, or simply looking for player and or game props, MyBookie has got you covered. Getting started with MyBookie is simple. Visit the website online, make your first deposit, and use the promo code VOLQUEST to claim your exclusive deposit bonus. That's promo code VOLQUEST, V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposit. With hundreds of thousands in prizes from March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn game day into payday over at MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. More of The Porch with VFL Luke Lipsius. That's coming up next. Luke, man, what a response by Tennessee. Let's kind of start there. It was not great leaving Missouri. Uh, The Porch last week was not fun to talk about. And I was saying this earlier, I didn't call it a must-win series, but I was pretty much insinuating, like, hey, you better win this series because of of what's coming up. Not only did Tennessee win this series, they swept them, looked really, really good. What would you like from this past week's play, Tennessee responding the right way and and pulling even in uh, 3-3 and in Southeastern Conference play? Yeah, you know, I I made a comment last week that this was a pivotal series for the Vols, and boy, did they uh, they showed up. And so... There was a little snippet of Tony V during a mid-game interview where he said that the guys looked like they just had some grit to them, and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we saw a lot of pitching getting behind, but then the offense would would fire right back. And I think that's kind of the Tennessee offense that we're all used to that was lacking that first weekend is even when the pitching staff fell down, uh, the, the offense had their back. And if we can do that all season long, especially in the SEC against these good teams, 
it's debilitating for the other team, but then also it just boosts the confidence of our pitchers who, uh, let's face it, have been kind of struggling, the starting pitchers in the first few innings. So if we can get that offense going to back them and what they're doing, a lot of confidence all around, but I thought they showed out, played really well. Defense was a little shaky um, at times, but I thought that other than that, we looked really good, especially with the gauntlet that's coming up, not just next week, but over the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's uh doesn't doesn't get any easier in the Southeastern Conference. Feels like whatever sport you're talking about, basketball's tough, we know football's tough, baseball is so tough, softball as well, uh, women's basketball. I mean, the SEC, it it truly does mean more. Uh you brought it up there starting pitching. And, and I thought starting pitching was better this weekend than it was at Missouri, obviously. Still giving up some runs. From your vantage point, kind of what what are you seeing and, and what do you kind of make of uh, those starters not looking like their true selves, but again, they, they were better. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that to me, they don't look all that much different. Um, you know, I think uh, teams with it being their second year in the league, maybe have adjusted to what plan they think we're going to give them. Um, you know, it's, there's a couple missed pitches here and there that other teams are really taking advantage of. Um, but I think you see a lot of teams that are, are going after that heater, especially in the early innings. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit maybe for Frank to have to make an adjustment there, especially against such a potent offense like LSU. Uh, but other than that, you know, they're not walking too many people. Um, they're giving up not too many hits. It just it, it seems like a lot of runs. Um, however, I don't think it's any reason to be concerned. They're still looking good and they look confident. It's just, you know, I, I think those first couple of innings where they're settling in maybe a little bit more heater heavy than they should be. Other teams are starting to pick up on that maybe for it. Uh, but other than that, you know, I, I don't think they look all too bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a baseball fan. I played, you know, growing up and everything, but I, I'm no baseball expert, you know, outside of doing some play by play. I'm, you know, I leave it to the professionals like you guys, but and everybody I've talked to, um, it, it's kind of the same the same thing. It's like, okay, well, you know, the first innings typically just in baseball, you're going to settle in and you're going to be better the more you go normally. I'm like, okay, I get that. And then also I've heard, you know, these guys are preseason All-Americans, Golden Spike watch list, uh, you know, SEC pitchers of the year, All-Americans, all that type of stuff. And so you're going to be juiced up, amped up, and ready to go out there and try to attack these guys and make a statement. And so it's been a little bit of that. Um, Chase Dolander's not, he's been kind of sick for a couple of his starts this year. There's a little bit of that. Um, so there's been like a lot, I'm hearing, you know, consistently a lot of different contributions into it, but overall you're right. I mean, I, I mentioned this earlier on the pod. I mean, Tennessee is sitting nationally third in team ERA at two, six, two that's leading the sec. It just might feel like they're doing worse because as a team, you're not putting up 10, 12 runs a game. Like you guys have been the last couple of years. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Like you said, that 262 ERA is still third in the nation. You know, I think we're still shaking off last year's just in incredibleness and in, in what it was. Um, when they give up three runs, we're like, what is that? We never do that. Uh, but like you said, a as the season goes on, we'll see them get better, um, which is amazing. If you come out too hot and you start too well, then eventually you're going to trail off. Uh, but if you can get your woes out in the in the beginning and and get better every single um, series, then you're going to have a lot of success in the future. And as far as maybe the draft or being a big prospect, all these accolades getting to people, um, you know, they're pitching in front of probably 20 to 30 scouts every single day. And so a guy like Dollander, who's projected top five picks overall, it could be getting to him, like you said. Um, however, you see 
those first innings, um, a lot of settling down from the pitchers. So the quicker they can get to settling in, the better off we'll be. And, you know, it is baseball and you see a lot of production from those first innings, first couple of innings, because people are just more amped than they are the rest of the game. Um, so like, like you said, like I've said, I don't think it's any cause for concern. I think as the season goes on, they'll kind of shake those pressures, those worries about accolades, and, and they'll get back to what they are. And again, like whether it's whether it's Frank or whether it, you know the, the not shaking off from the from the pitchers, I know typically they have the ability to do that. Maybe not all the time, but I mean just just relying on your ninety eight mile per hour fastball ahead in the count against a three or four hitter, um, and throwing it over the heart of the plate. Uh, you know, in the SEC, a lot of these guys will jack it out of the ballpark. And unfortunately for Burns, the last two starts in the first inning, we've seen that. Um, I, I want to ask you a question, a first base question. Um, first of all, great to see Blake Burke come back and. And kind of break out of this slump. Couple of home runs this week. It's it's been really good to see. He's now got ten bombs on the season so far. Um, there's been a, a couple of plays at first base over the last week to where I, I'm wondering kind of what the what the rule of thumb is. Uh, you got a ball hit to the right side of the infield as a first baseman. You know where how far can you go to go make that play and then and then turn back and throw to the pitcher or when should you know to say okay I'm going to let. Simo get that I'm going to go to the bag and be ready because I think two times Burke kind of got crossed up a little bit and the pitcher was just a step too slow getting over there because and it was a bang bang play and the runner was safe you as a first baseman kind of what's going through your mind and, and knowing when to let it go or when to go get it yeah so those are uh, those are two different scenarios so there's one where there's kind of that communication between the the pitcher and the first baseman we saw a play with there. Burns on the mound. Both go to go go. Both go to get it. Burns gets it. Tries to run over, tag him out. Whatever. Um, and you know, there's not really a cookie cutter way to approach that situation. It's basically whoever calls it the earliest and first goes to get it, no matter what. Now there is a little bit of calling off, just depending how close the ball is to the base. Um, but as far as that play that we saw on Saturday between Burns and Burke, I would have liked to see Burke go get that. Um, however, it could have just been one of those Bermuda Triangle plays where they weren't going to get the out anyways. But you see both of them charge, which leaves the bag vacant. Simo's not going to get over there. And then Burns just wasn't quick enough to tag him out. I would have liked to see Burns immediately go to the bag, Burt get it, maybe do a little spin around throw, make something look cool, um, and get him out that way. Uh, as far as the balls in between in that four hole between Burke and Simo. When you have a second baseman as athletic as Simo, uh, you don't really have to worry about taking too many steps to the right. My, uh, it, it also depends on the pace of the ball and how it's hit, but my rule of thumb was if it's more than, let's say, two steps to my right, I'm letting Simo get it every single day. Because uh, like you said, if I go charging over there and it turns out to be a slower roller, Burns or whoever the pitcher is has to get over, it's just not as high of a percentage of play as, let's say, for me, seeing the ball a little bit too far, running straight to the base, letting Sima do what he does. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those things. They've I'm sure they've been working on it a lot in practice. And, you know, Burke being a full-season first baseman is just going to learn which balls he can and can't get to in the amount of time that he has. And, you know, it, it's especially apparent in this league, not so much in the midweeks, where people in the SEC are just faster. And mm -hmm. so you kind of got to make those split-second decisions. Hopefully we'll see him settle in. And, and start making better decisions when it comes to those plays. And again, I mean, it's it's human nature, right? You see a ball on the ground, go get it. <laughs> and mm -hmm, so exactly, R rather be aggressive than not. Yeah, and I think you're exactly right. Now that you are the everyday first baseman, not just a hitter, you're the first baseman. 
kind of a learning curve, you'll start to figure it out. But there were a couple of those plays over the last week where I'm just like, I mean, from my vantage point, it's like, let it go. But again, I don't, I don't know. So I wanted to ask you, um, man, you played LSU a lot. Some memorable games uh, last year in the SEC tournaments, 2021, the Supers. Um, and I believe, yeah, yeah, yeah. If my math's correct, you went down the last time Tennessee played at the box in 2019. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Although uh, it, it didn't end too well for us. <laughs> back yeah, then. Uh, unfortunately it didn't. But uh, what, what about LSU kind of this Tennessee versus LSU? It's amped up so much now. Uh, what do you remember about going down there and then just overall playing this quality of program? It's a little different now, but still, um, you know, coming back and it's it's obviously really, really good this year. Yeah, well, so um, going down to the box is absolutely amazing. It's one of those cathedrals of college baseball. You know, I feel like everyone who's around the game knows exactly what Alex Box Stadium is and what it means. Um, there's such a, a good history there. They bring out such a good crowd. Um, and from everyone that I've talked to, the fans are super cool. Now, they might get a little rowdy and, of course, boo-hoo you uh, if they're mad at you, whatever. But as far as being – a, a bad fan base they're not they're great um they will get hostile though it'll be loud it'll be noisy nothing that this that these guys haven't played in front of though um as far as lsu i think the last time we played them um was after we went five and zero against them in a season and so i'd, I'd say you know it is a new coaching staff however those players uh, Dylan Cruz, Trey Morgan, those guys that were a part of that team will have a little bit of an extra trip, chip on their shoulder. I'm sure that will carry over to the rest of the team. So not only are we playing the number one team in the nation with, uh, I'd say, the best pitcher in the nation and the best hitter in the nation, uh, you're playing with uh, against a team that's going to have a chip on their shoulder in their home stadium in front of however many people box the box gets, maybe 10,000. Um, it's going to be a, a tough test for the Vols, and I think this will really be – a separator of, hey, do we got it this season? Do we not? You know, it is still early, but I'm really excited to see just how they come out of the gates and not so much uh, how what the results are, but just how they attack situations, how they go about the game, because that will really be a really good determinant of how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, I've been kind of uh, phrasing this as the measuring stick series, and mm -hmm. I think I said on another podcast earlier in the week, like, Tennessee absolutely can win this series. It's got, it's got the talent. I'm, I'm not giving Tennessee no chance whatsoever, but I mean, LSU is good. It's good. That lineup is so top to bottom heavy. They've got good pitching. Uh, Skeens, as, as we pointed out. Um, what I don't want Tennessee to do is go there and, and get swept in three games and look horrible like at Missouri. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want moral. I don't necessarily believe in moral victories. Uh, I'm not saying if they get one, you celebrate, but just don't go down there and, and look like you're not ready for the stage or the moment. And I don't think this team will. Will this team win the series? I have no clue. Um, it's got talent, too. It's got pitching, too. But, again, this is going to be the, the the biggest challenge you've faced so far. Um, you brought up a couple of those names in Dylan Cruz. A and, again, I, Tony Vitello says it calls them the internet stats. But, you know, I've got the box scores and the stats she pulled up here. When you look at a guy like Dylan Cruz and you see hitting 542, like, okay, well, how many at-bats does he have? Well, he's got 83 at-bats. He's started all 25 games. Uh, nine homers, 32 ribbies, scored 48 runs. In 25 games, he's walked 27 times. Um, when you just kind of see that as, a, as an opposing player, obviously there's some respect there. But, I mean, man, what a what a player, what a year he's having so far. And he's doing that. They had a soft non-conference schedule, but in two SEC series, he's, he's breaking it as well. 
Yeah, you know, um, every single time we play him, I think I mentioned this before, uh, we we knew that he has no business being in college. And it's almost like, how could he get any better from last year? And he's shown you that he can. Um, hitting 540, no matter how many, I mean, yeah, if you have 10, 540, whatever, which isn't even impossible, but like 540 is so hard to do in baseball. Like you, you put the sliders up on the show, you probably still won't hit 540. Um, so what he's doing is absolutely nuts. Still seeing those power numbers, those on base numbers, you know, he's getting walked. Um, it, he is a tough out, just such a good hitter, quick hands, really works the zone. He's the epitome of a first round draft prospect. And so that, that matchup, uh, the rematch of Dolly versus Cruz from the SEC tournament last year um, is going to be amazing. And it's just going to be so much hype around it. But yeah, playing a guy like him, it's so hard. You know, you almost feel good if he goes one for three in a game. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, one for three in a game, I think you'll take that, especially if that one for three is not a, you know, not a run producing hit for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't expect you to be an expert on LSU baseball this year. I know you know some guys on that club, and you played against them for a long time, but it's a, it's a new year and everything. But do you see from afar maybe any weaknesses, maybe any chances for Tennessee to exploit LSU? Obviously, you've got Paul Skeens. He's going to be Thursday night starter this week, and he's incredible. Um, whenever his stats. Ty Floyd's been a really reliable number two starter. Number three starter's kind of been up in the air a little bit this year, but it's going to be Thatcher Hurd. Um, he's got a 3.91 ERA. Do you see any ways Tennessee can maybe exploit LSU in this series and, and steal some runs? You know, from what I've seen, um, starting pitching for them is outstanding. Um, as far as the bullpen goes, I can correct me if, if I'm wrong. It seems almost as if it's average, correct? Nothing from really the, pops. From the looks of it, it looks kind of average. I, again, I've not watched every game, but looking at the stat sheet, it looks kind of average, yeah. So as far as an SEC weekend goes, you know, especially against a team of this caliber, they're going to hit, they're going to pitch. And, you know, along with that, they're going to play defense, which is just something you don't see a lot is a team that does all three. Um, so it's really hard to find weaknesses there. Um, and so like I was kind of alluding to is getting those starters to those high pitch counts and getting to that bullpen is going to be um, – necessary in a series like this if you can get their starters out in five or six as opposed to seven or eight then it just it carries over from game to game get into that bullpen which we have a chance of doing damage now i'm not saying that the starters are just going to blow our doors open we're going to not get any hits against them you know we can hit these guys we're preparing for it all that stuff but ve the whole staff has always been get the starter out of the game your chances of winning the series go way up when you do that um, and so as far as weaknesses go, you know, that's kind of like a weakness with a little asterisk because it's not necessarily a weakness. But getting to that bullpen, I think, is going to be a, a major determinant of if we win or if we lose. Yeah, just looking at the uh, their season stats right now, Christian Little is kind of their go-to guy. He's got 10 appearances, leading all pitchers. 363 ERA, he's got two saves. That's a pretty, pretty good line right there. You've got um, – Riley Cooper, who has eight appearances, but a 420 ERA. You've got Blake Money, who has seven appearances, has a 694 ERA. So uh, there's a couple of guys that have some inflated ERAs in terms of the highly used guys. But then you've got guys like Garrett Edwards, who has eight appearances and an 07, 
a 0.87 ERA. So, again, like you said, it's not necessarily a weakness, but anytime you get the starter out of the game, like you got to feel better about your chances. Um, Luke, anything else, man, from this past week's play? Anything else going in uh, to the LSU series? You got the final word here of, of uh, your thoughts heading into a, a measuring six series, number 10 Tennessee and, and number one LSU on the road. Yeah, you know, I, I'm just really excited to see what we got. And I think that's what everyone else is looking for is, you know, there's so much hype going into this game. Uh, just what it means, you know, to LSU, just such a good program. Tennessee, a revitalized program. What it's going to be like. And, you know, uh, if, if all of our outfielders get hurt, we know Zach Joyce can go out, go out and play out there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Luke, man, thanks so much. Uh, look forward to doing this again next week. And hopefully we can talk about a, a good series down on the bayou. Oh, yeah. Hoping for something good this week, and I can't wait for next week. All right. Thanks, Luke. Appreciate you, man. Bye. That is VFL Luke Lipsius, former Tennessee first baseman, the home run king, and a resident of the porch every single week right here on the Porch Podcast. That is VolQuest.com. Hey, schedule for this week, Thursday, 8 o'clock is the first pitch. It'll be on ESPNU television. Friday, Game 2, 7 o'clock first pitch. It'll be on the SEC Network. And then Saturday, 2 p.m. on the SEC Network Plus. So you got ESPNU on Thursday, SEC Network on uh, on Friday, and then SEC Network Plus on Saturday. And, uh, man, really, really looking forward to this one. Should be a big one. A measuring stick series for Tennessee at LSU. And we'll have all the coverage of allquest.com. We'll get your four quick takes following after that, how it happened. 3 2 1 on Monday. We'll, have, uh, we'll get some video of Tony Vitello post game. All that good stuff can be found at ballquest.com. Guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, big shout out to Spivey King and Spivey LLP. You got a problem? Let them find a solution. TN Trial Lawyers. They specialize criminal defense, family law, and personal injury as well. And you can see them in person at 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee, or give them a call for a free consultation. 423-245-4185. Find them online as well. It's Spivey King and Spivey LLP. All right. Uh, we'll do it again next week. We'll see what's in store for Tennessee at LSU this weekend. Appreciate you guys for buying a ticket and coming on the porch here today. The Porch with Luke Lipsius. It's a ball quest baseball podcast.